Have you been searching for a community that gets it? Join me, your host, Monique, as we get real about the emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual effects infertility has on its victims. Let's connect and heal together. I am one in eight, too. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Infertility and Me. And today's episode, I have with me Miss Rebecca, and she's here also in the U.S. like I am, um, more so to the West Coast, though. Um, and Rebecca, can you give us a little bit about yourself um, and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I've been listening to um, a couple episodes this week, and I really love your podcast. So I am so honored to be here. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, um, I actually work for a company that sells software and products to car dealerships and I help implement those pro um, those products. So I have a really busy career. It is very mm -hmm. demand. Um, uh, like I said, I live in greater Cincinnati. I have all my life and mm -hmm. I'm married and I have four fur babies. Oh goodness. Okay. So what breed or what breed of dogs do you have? I have one, um, yellow lab. And then we have three cats. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm a cat. I'm a cat person too. I have a dog and um, he's a Pekingese, but um, uh -huh. I had two cats prior to that. So I have like, I like, I just like animals period. So I, I, I understand, <laughs> trust me. And he was like my biggest support system when I was going through infertility and everything. So I know you can resonate with that too and everything. So, Definitely. So just let's start at the beginning. So how long were you guys married in or dating before you decided that you wanted to have children together? We kind of always knew that that would be our next step as soon as we got engaged. Mm -hmm. um, I knew that I always wanted to have children of my own. Um, I remember feeling that way ever since I was a small child. Um, so, you know, we just naturally thought that that was the way that things would progress. And um, we got married and I, I was 31 when we were married. And I have PCOS, so I already knew that I would have some obstacles against me. Um, so I was like, okay, I want to wait a year. I want to try to get as healthy as possible, um, but also just be married for a little bit and not jump right into that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then after that year, um, basically, I wasn't having periods at all. So I knew I wasn't ovulating. Um, and we were kind of like, okay, like, I was like, I probably should at least see my doctor to see if there's anything we should do on the PCOS front, right. to, uh, help things along. And they were, they were kind of like, your PCOS is so bad, um, that you're going to need medical intervention, like now. <laughs> so wow. kind of skipped the whole, like waiting, um, the whole year before you had to like, Cause we were like, we weren't actively trying, but we weren't actively not trying. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and nothing happened and we knew, um, what was wrong with me, but then, you know, we kind of jumped right into medications at that point. Okay. And did, did you start off with like the basic, um, normal IVF treatment type medications, like your, uh, gonadotrins, um, your Lucrons and such like that, or, did you have like uh, Clomid? Did you start with something more mild or like Clomid? Yeah, I, I did like the Clomid and then I wasn't very responsive with that. So we moved on to the um, Letrozole. And um, once, once I moved on to that, we did several medicated cycles and then moved on to IUIs. Um, and then we did, we did four of those, which none of those worked out. Okay. And you did those like con uh, consecutively, like right behind each other or was it yes. spread apart? Okay. 
Okay. And so I know you said that you knew that you had PCOS when you got married. So when did you get diagnosed with the PCOS? I believe I was either 21 or 22 years old when a doctor finally figured out what was going on with me. I had honestly had issues ever since puberty, but no doctors really wanted to dig very far. because They were just like, well, your body's changing. Uh, we don't really know. So here you go. Here's some birth control. Um, so I kind of stayed on birth control for much of my adolescence because I was terrified of what would happen if I came off of it. Right, right, right. Wow. And, and, and I can only imagine, um, you know, being pushed right into, into, into IVF treatment, you know, when you guys decided that you wanted to get serious about trying to expand your family, how overwhelming that could have, that must have been for you. Be, I mean, Absolutely. you know, you already knew that you had the condition of PCOS, but like you said, you didn't know the severity of it until they, it's like, well, it's really bad. And they just dropped that bomb on your head. Is that kind of how it felt? Or did you feel like, did you feel like you had, what's the word I'm looking for? Did you feel like, did you feel like you were in control in the beginning or did it always feel like, um, you know, it was just this, this whirlwind or this unknown territory, I guess? Well, I definitely feel like most fertility treatment is an unknown territory to most people. I think that um, I was 33 by the time we moved, we, we were like, okay, we need to move from the IUIs into the IVF. And you always just kind of think that, okay, like IVF is what you do when nothing else works. Um, and at that point, of course, the doctors were like, hey, like you're almost 34. By the time we do a retrieval, you will be like, we shouldn't wait much longer. And I kind of felt rushed to make a decision. Um, and of course, like when you want something so badly and your whole focus is like, this is the way my family is going to look. And this was the way that like our life together would look mm -hmm. and it's kind of like not happening. I feel that I personally felt just this desperation to be like, okay, like whatever it takes. And I don't feel that I was fully informed or prepared for exactly what was coming next. Yeah. And um, I, I, I definitely, what sticked out to me the most with what you just said was that, that feeling of um, desperation and wanting to just keep going. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. Like how, how did you move forward with that feeling of, of desperation? Cause I feel like a lot of people probably go through that. Um, I, I basically was like, I'm a very determined person naturally. So in my mind, I was just like, okay, like we figure this out and we do it like whatever it takes. Yeah. My husband necessarily didn't feel that strongly. Um, so we decided to wait a little bit. Um, we wanted to try to raise as much money as we could ourselves without having to like, you know, go into debt over it. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I took some time during that time. Um, both of us worked two jobs during that time and, and got some of the funds together ourselves. And then I, you know, just worked out really hard and ate right and thought, you know, whatever I can do to help this outcome is what I'm going to do. Because of course, as somebody who has PCOS and somebody mm -hmm. overweight, they're also telling you all that. So, okay, like lose 40 pounds and you know, you're going to be successful. And I just believed it all. Um, because I, I thought this is what, this is what works. This right. What right. Work. And I was, you know, that determined for it to work. 
and, and so after you guys did the four IUIs, did you go straight into IVF or did you take a break? Yeah, we took a break in between. So we did the IUIs and then we were like, okay, like he was basically, my doctor was basically like, I mean, we could do some more IUIs and maybe we could do like the um, injectable drugs with them, but then you run into like a higher risk for multiples and things like that. And you might not be as receptive to these drugs later on if we have to do IVF. And I was kind of like, I don't see the point in like doing this. And especially cause I seriously felt like my clock was really ticking. Um, I just felt like, okay, let's take some time. Let's try to get the money together and then just move right into that because that's going to work. Wow. That's a lot. And so tell me about what happened after you guys started treatments and what that okay. experience was like, that was like for you. Um, and how many, how many cycles did you guys do of IVF? We did two. Honestly, I mean, everything went textbook. Everything was exactly as they kind of told me it was going to be. Mm -hmm. it, um, we retrieved eight eggs and we got seven embryos and then in the end, we only had three that made it to five days. And then when we did our, our transfer, I actually got pregnant. Was that the first uh, transfer that they did? Yeah, that was the first transfer they did. And I was like, okay. Um, the, the biggest thing that I remember from this time is um, I had abnormal bleeding. And of course, you know, I'm scouring the internet and every person mm -hmm. that possibly reach out to and people are like, it's okay. It's probably just a hemorrhage. It's probably just this. It's probably just that. The doctors are like, uh, we don't know. We have no idea. Like your numbers keep raising and raising and raising. You're definitely pregnant. And I just remember feeling so anxious and terrified. Right. Right. All I, I just literally yeah. felt like I couldn't breathe. And I, I felt like this isn't real. Like I never fully believed that I was actually pregnant. Um, and then we got to our um, seven-week scan, and there was no. Baby. Wow, wow! So yeah. when you had the, did they assume that when you had the bleeding, um, that that was part of the miscarriage happening? Yeah, basically, when they they kept doing my blood work, they were like, "Everything's good, everything's good," and you know the bleeding stopped, and then it started again. And I went to see them that day, and they were like, "Your numbers are like off the charts." So they were like, "There's just nothing we can do right now." And I tried to just resume life as normal for the next couple of weeks. And yeah, so they were basically like, you know, it was a very early miscarriage. Um, these things happen. And I mean, granted, we know that that happens with any type of pregnancy. That's yeah. a possibility. But um, it feels like I think a, <laughs> um, extra terrible when you went through like all of these extra steps to get there. Oh, Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. And I know a lot of women experience that even, you know, I, there's, let's see, I had one episode where Aaron from My Beautiful Blunder spoke about having to um, basically, it's, they don't call it abortion. And I can't remember the technical name that she used, but she had to let go of one of her, her triplets and, and she has twins. And, um, and she had a third baby that just wasn't growing and they just, and they had to, there's a special way that they abort that particular and they single out that particular fetus. And right. so, yeah, so I definitely, I have never had a miscarriage like you guys and a lot of other women have, but I can only imagine what that feels like because I had bleeding at 14 weeks and I thought I was going to lose my son. So I can only yeah, and that's imagine, terrifying. Yeah, you know, so I get it. The anxiety is unreal. 
during infertility. And so did you take a break after the miscarriage? I know that you have to wait and everything um, before you can start another cycle and make sure your levels come down and stuff. <clears throat> yeah, I did. And I actually started um, seeing a therapist at that point because my anxiety had just gone off, off the charts. Mm -hmm. um, it probably between the everything that was happening, but I also think that your body goes through so many hormonal changes at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lack of support a lot of times from the people that you love the most. Um, it's, it can be this really lonely Island. And I think that everything between the time we started really trying to conceive until the miscarriage, like it just messed me up. So I was like, I think that before I can do this again, I really need some help. Mm -hmm. Um, and we waited about four or five months and, and that's when we, we went again and, um, it just didn't work that time. Okay. And, and that was the last cycle that you guys had that you tried for? Did you? Um... Yeah. Yeah. And then what happened with that was I was like, okay, like this cycle didn't work. Mm -hmm. Nothing has worked. Um, but you know what? It's, it's fine. Everything's fine. And it was business as usual. Like I had to go back to work and I had to go back to my life. Like you don't have time to properly grieve this loss because, you know, no one sees it as a real person, but you and your partner. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I just had to go back and just, and I, I kind of just buried it. Mm. Hey, like, I'm fine. We're going to figure out our next course, what have you, which we fully had planned at that point to continue. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think about a month later, I just kind of started having daily panic attacks and really just stopped functioning. How Wow. How long after did you feel that sense of being able to not function and go into, it sounds like it was depression. Was it depression? I, I, I think it was. I think that um, it, it could have been coming off of the hormones, my body trying to like find some kind of normalcy again. Yeah. After so much of that. Um, but also just, I think that I buried my pain and didn't deal with it. Um, where I did deal with it the first time. Um, and then basically I think that my, my mind and my body were like, well, you have to deal with this now. And so I started, I went back to my therapist and I started doing like really extensive work with her just to get myself back to normal at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And how long was that time period before you started feeling like yourself again? Probably within a few months after, after all of that, it took a while. I, I know that I, I kind of had to remove myself from some situations. And, um, I had a couple of, of people that were really, really close to me have unexpected pregnancies at that time as well, that I had to, you know, I felt like I had to step up and like throw the baby showers and be that person because I love these women. Um, so it was an extra strain. But I, that it's the type of person that I am. I was like, that's, it has nothing to do with me. That's, that's their thing. So there were, there were all of these things that kind of happened like one after another, but my husband and I kind of were like, okay, we need to think about this now. Like mm -hmm. we need to, to take a break, but not only do we need to just take a break, we need to, to go on a vacation. We need to do something for us. We need to come back to who we are as a couple because our marriage was really strained at that point because I just was not myself and was not putting any type of priority on my marriage. 
if I may ask, how did your husband handle, you know, all the, the varying degrees of emotions that he was feeling as well? And, and how did you guys, um, how did you guys stay connected? So we, we decided at that point that we were going to take a break. We didn't know how long the break was going to be. We thought maybe six months, maybe a year. And we, we took a vacation and we honestly, like we started dating again and we started just doing things that we really loved to do together and independently and kind of found our way back to each other and ourselves. And I think that basically led into us deciding that we were no longer going to pursue treatment. And, and I, I'm, I'm that, that's, I know that was a pivotal moment coming into a space where I guess you become comfortable with that type of decision because that's not easy to make, um, especially after, after everything that you guys have been through. And so when you began to sat in that feeling of, you know, not pursuing any more treatments, how, how did you handle that and, and, how did you cope with and, and, and deal with it? So I, I think for us, it was always just one of those things that we'll get back to. Okay. It was like off in the distance, you know, but we were like, okay, like we're doing this. My husband changed careers. I changed careers. Like all of a sudden, all of these other things happen in our life. Mm-hmm. We really just, we actually had the energy and time to, to fully dive into where we hadn't before. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, we went full force into the things that we're doing now. I started singing again. I'm a singer. I have been almost all of my life, like just doing things that I enjoyed again. It was like, okay, one of these days we're going to use some of these frozen embryos. One of these days we're going to do this, but when, and it kind of turned into, I don't know, maybe we'll figure it out. And then I kind of was just like, I don't know that I want to do this again. And he was like, I don't, he was basically like, I, I want you and I want our marriage and I don't want to see you suffer. And, you know, basically like if we're both like, if we're good, if you're good, I'm good. Yeah. But that doesn't happen that way for a lot of people, but that just happened to be our experience. Well, that's amazing that you guys, and it sounds like you guys were like kind of working in synchronicity because you were feeling the same way at the same time and and you were and when it came out it was just like well I you probably felt relieved and he probably felt relieved you know having the conversation and stuff it's it's so I know that you still are actively a part of the infertility community online and stuff like that and so what kind of advice would you offer anyone who's kind of like in that same space where you were when you realized that you know you are enough, your husband enough, and the life that you guys have built together is enough right now in this moment at this time. Yeah, absolutely. I think that one of the biggest things that was helpful to me was um, there were several books that I read during this time because I started to kind of toy with the idea, like, what if I don't have a child? Mm-hmm. My therapist was, was very important in making this happen. She kind of started to ask some questions that I had never asked myself. So the number one thing that I would say is if you can, by any means possible, go to therapy. I was able to find a therapist that has PCOS who adopted her children through foster care, who, who sympathized with my specific journey. And it, it was everything to me. Wow. And she, and she basically was like, look, like you don't have to do this. You don't have to live your life this way because 
everybody always told you you did, you could still have a beautiful life. And I was like, I never thought about that. Yeah. Thought that was a possibility. But it's, if you think about the stories we hear in the infertility world, that's what we hear. We hear the miracle stories because that's of course what we want to hear. What is being shared? So I also really needed to find those voices in the community that were saying, Hey, I went through this too. I didn't have a baby and I'm okay. Because we, we relate to what we see in other people, right? We, we say, I see this person, she went through a similar journey to mine and she's okay. So surely I could be okay too. And that really started to help me too, because I, I just never heard those stories before. Wow. And I, I, and there's a lot more women, it looks like, that are coming out about, uh, you know, just being okay and knowing that they are powerful and, and still needed in the community, even though they've chosen not to move forward with any more treatments. And so, and I think that's going to be really powerful for a lot of single women, too, who may not have spouses yet and are, you know, 36 and 40 years old, you know, and mm-hmm. I think you guys' journeys will really resonate with them. Um, I, I had a young lady on as well, who's a counselor and, um, she has had her eggs frozen. And so I know a story like this could be really powerful for her or some, you know, just anybody who has not at that point yet where they, um, where they have children yet. So that's what, another reason why I really wanted to have you on because, you know, it's so many different unique stories out here and, mm-hmm. You know, anybody, everybody is somebody out there <laughs> that's waiting to hear it, you know? And, I agree. Uh, Society and, in yeah. general is flipping the script on that, right? Like, exactly. To see more and more people say, hey, you know what? I made the choice not to have children. Sometimes because they were like, look, I simply don't want to, or I know that our planet is at risk. Finances are hard. Healthcare is awful. The list could go on and on and on. I mean, school shootings, et cetera. So we're all starting to be like, okay, this is a choice. Mm -hmm. You don't have to continue. I don't know that my marriage, my finances, or my own mental health could have survived doing this again. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I have no regrets. And I think that there's a lot of questions out there is, will I regret it if I didn't just try one more time or do one more round? And you know what? We all are going to have regrets in life. Mm Mm-hmm. But my biggest regret would have been losing everything I already had. Yeah. And then you know what? You already tried. So to say that, will you regret it? Well, no, because you've already tried to do as much as you could handle and as much as your family, you and your husband together could handle. And I, and, and I don't know if you agree or not, but I feel like that a lot of those kinds of statements um, come from a place of fear. Mm-hmm. And um a, f- a fear of, of, of the unknown, which is the future. And, you know, we've had the greatest lesson on the unknown going through infertility because we didn't know what was going to happen from cycle to cycle. And, Absolutely. and you know, so yeah, definitely. I, I definitely feel like society is, is giving us um, more room for telling and speaking truths um, and, and speaking them boldly without uh, having to sugarcoat it. And I love that about the infertility community. And I also really love that about your page too, because I feel like you're always very transparent with your journey. Um, yeah, if, if anything, it sounds cliche, but you have to take care of yourself. 
everybody will always tell you, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. And this is one of those times in your life where you will be tried and pushed like you've never been before. It's okay to take a break. It's okay to say, hey, look, I need to focus on my marriage, my career, whatever those things are that are important to the core of your little universe. Those are the things that really matter because if you don't make sure that they're priorities, what happens if you have kids and then all of that fizzles? So I, I'm really grateful that I have a partner that was always like, hey, you know, if it happens, great, but I'm, I'm not making that like the number one priority in our marriage. Um, and I know not, not, not everyone has that in their life, but you really truly have to know that just like anything else, you will grieve. It will be hard. Motherhood is hard. Not being a mother is hard. We all have places and spaces where we fit and where we don't, and we all figure it out every day. But there are people out there just like you who, who have walked away and we're living really great lives now and we're here to support you. And that's exactly why I decided to make Rebecca Reclaimed and my blog because I, I really needed to hear more of those voices. So I'm hoping that I can be a light for someone else. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to make sure that I put all of your information in the show notes, your Instagram and your blog so that people can connect with you in those two places and get to know you better and, and just and find hope and inspiration within the community. And, and I thank you so much, Rebecca, for coming on because I know that somebody is going to really need this and somebody out there is going to really resonate with your story and your journey. So I appreciate you being vulnerable on today's episode and just giving us the hard truth of what it was like for you and your husband. And I appreciate you so much for coming on. Well, and thank you so much because I know that a lot of times um, once people are successful, it it's not as inclusive as it could be. And we, you know, we've all been through this together. Yeah. How it ends, we, we're all, we've all went through the same war. So, you know, all we can do is support each other and love each other no matter what. And um, yeah, I think that we are starting to see a lot more of that out there. Yeah. And then we just going to continue to spread it <laughs> and hopefully yes. it keeps coming back to us. You know what I mean? And then, you know, and I, I love that there's so many things going on and so many events going on and coming up this year and for everybody to connect with each other um, in a physical sense, because we don't all live in the same state. So I hopefully I right. to some and everything like that. And if not, you know, we're always here on Instagram for you guys. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. You will always see some good content on our pages. Absolutely. So thank you again so much, Rebecca. I don't want to take up any more time for your evening. And um, I just wish you so much luck and, and many blessings and much success on whatever endeavors you and your husband choose to go on. And um, I always got my fingers crossed for you and your journey. So I appreciate you again for coming on today. Thank you so much. I wish the same for you.